Free agency is officially underway in the NFL. Seahawks making a number of moves, keeping their own players today. Rob Rang and I will be breaking it down on the latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our latest Monday podcast, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Free agency officially kicking off the day with the legal tampering period. The Seahawks have been busy re-signing a number of their own players. We'll be breaking down some of those signings here in a few moments. Plus, it's Mock Draft Monday. Going to be checking out a number of mock drafts out there on the internet, debating which ones we'd like to see the Seahawks have as their draft class for this year. And we'll be breaking down the latest on their hunt to replace Russell Wilson. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks today signing four of their pending free agents to new contracts. They also lost one of their players as well. It's been a pretty busy day. Didn't sign any outside free agents on the first day of legal tampering, but the Seahawks have come to agreement with a number of their players, most notably Quandre Diggs signing a three-year, $40 million extension to stay with the Seahawks. There have been plenty of speculation after Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner departed last week that Maybe a star veteran like Diggs wouldn't want to come back, but that isn't the case. Money talks, $13.3 million per year. He enjoys playing in Seattle. So they re-signed Sidney Jones, re-signed Al Woods, and re-signed Will Disley. So overall, a pretty busy day for the Seahawks to kick off free agency and still have a number of key free agents that we have yet to find out whether they're going to be back or heading to other teams. Yeah, I think it was a very productive day from a Seattle perspective, Corbin. At the same time, still plenty of work left to be done. Um, of course, just by the, the re-signing Quandre Diggs and Sidney Jones, that means three-quarters of your defensive backfield uh, is back in place. DJ Reed, of course, still um, is a pending free agent. It'll be interesting to see what type of offers that he is going to get uh, on the open market. So very clearly, Seattle it has shown its willingness to allocate an awful lot of money uh, to the secondary. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what they might be left for DJ Reed, or if they're in fact going to have to use one of those draft picks uh, to uh, try to build back up the depth at the cornerback position. I also thought that it was interesting that, that Seattle uh, made the move to, to get the big man back and, and Al Woods, clearly making him a priority, uh, signing him to a two-year deal, um, at least reportedly at this point. So that, that is big. And then with Will Disley, while the numbers were a little bit surprising, um, averaging out to $8 million per year reportedly, um, at the same time, I also think that when you're talking about the other two tight ends, that are currently on Seattle's roster. Uh, Noah Fan, obviously, is part of that big Denver trade. And then Kobe Parkinson. You're talking about two guys who are great athletes but aren't necessarily the blockers, and that is exactly what Will Disley provides. So I, I would be surprised at this point if the fact that Seattle did bring back Will Disley, if that does not mean that Gerald Everett has played his last days in, in Seattle. I'd be surprised if Seattle – I uh, wind up going back that direction, um, you know, considering all the moves that they made. And then, of course, I know you, you've been basically trumpeting for Quandre Diggs for a while now. Um, and, and obviously that is a big time move by Seattle. That was the most important move that they made today. So in a lot of ways, I think that this was very much a day to celebrate if you're a Seahawks fan. 
Yeah, I overall really like the moves they made. We're going to have more time to investigate these free agent signings here later in the week. There's going to be plenty more coming in the next 24 to 48 hours as we get closer to the real start of free agency, which is on Wednesday. That's when players can officially sign their contracts with other teams. I would expect there's going to be more player movement coming up today. I'm sure there's probably something breaking as we record this right now, but as things stand, Quandre Diggs getting that $13.3 million per year contract. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, 13 interceptions the last 38 games since the Seahawks acquired him. He's the only player in the NFL with three or more interceptions in each of the past five seasons, so he's been incredibly reliable. Dating back to his time in Detroit, a versatile player. He'll hit people for being a smaller safety. He'll come up and stick people, so we've been talking about it all offseason I thought he was the most important player for the Seahawks to re-sign, and clearly they agreed by giving him this contract and now making him the ninth highest paid safety in annual salary per year in the entire NFL. So they're happy to have him back. He's happy to be back as well. I think the move for Al Woods, some people are questioning the two years for $9 million, but only about half of that is guaranteed. So if this year doesn't necessarily work out, he doesn't play as well at the age of 35, they can move on next year without having to worry about eating too much money. It's going to be a, a cheap move for them to be able to go. It's really a one-year deal with a second-year option is really what it boils down to. And I think the move for Sidney Jones, $3.6 million incentives up to $4.4 million. If he plays like he did the last six games last year, that's a steal. And he's only 26 years old. I think he's a really good scheme fit. We saw improvements in his tackling. So I like those moves. The one that maybe can be debated is giving Will Disley a three-year contract worth $24 million. We're talking $8 million per year. That's top 15 tight end money. And his receiving production just hasn't been there the last two years. And I don't know that that's his fault necessarily. He just hasn't had a lot of opportunities. He's still catching over 80% of the targets thrown his way. But he has not been a factor in their passing game at all the last two years. Only had one touchdown a year ago. He's such an important piece to their run game, though, and I think that's what really mattered to the Seahawks. They also love his presence in the locker room. He just lost Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. You need to keep as many of your leaders as you can. So from that perspective, other teams were valuing him on the market. This was the price point to keep him. The Seahawks decided we're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel. We want to have that tight end that can block and we know Will Disley is one of the best in the business at doing that so maybe that's the one from a financial view that you look at and kind of scratch your head a little bit but at the same time there are plenty of reasons to look at that deal and think you know what next year when the cap goes up if he's thrown the ball more this year that could end up looking like a decent contract down the road I agree uh, and I, I think that uh, speaking of down the road I think that's what we got to kind of look at here next is, is who are going to be Seattle's other top priorities. We, we mentioned DJ Reed, obviously Rashad Penny is out there. Um, you know, Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, Ethan Posick, Rasheen Green. I mean, Seattle has a number of free agents that are still, uh, you know, on their to-do list, so to speak. I think it's going to be fascinating to see who is the next highest priority for them. Um, you know, obviously they have to figure out what they're going to be doing at the quarterback position. We'll be talking about that a little bit more later, but if they are trying to save some of their money for a splashy free agent pass rusher, there's a lot of them are going to be available here, then that would potentially open up that number nine overall draft selection to perhaps be used on a quarterback. If they do go with the quarterback uh, somehow in free agency or via trade for a veteran, then I think that it's very clear that, that Seattle will almost certainly would be looking to use that number nine overall 
uh, selection on a pass rusher. Not just because that's an area of huge concern for the Seahawks, but that truly is um, one of the strengths of this year's draft class. I, I think that they could see as many as five go in the top ten. Um, and so, again, just looking at the, the read the tea leaves a little bit, it's not just what is filling a position of concern for the Seahawks. It just truly is most likely to be the best player available. So I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen over these next 24 to 48 hours as John Schneider and the chief negotiator, Matt Thomas, are kind of you know, figuring out what they're doing here. If you're reading between the tea leaves, and of course, there could be a change here. Maybe Seattle still values Rasheem Green, but when they made the trade with the Broncos, Russell Wilson, and they were able to bring in Harris, and now you've got him next to Al Woods, I don't know that the need is there for them to re-sign Rasheem Green now at this point. And you could wonder, you know, is DJ Reed, if he prices out above $10 million, you just re-signed Sidney Jones, you got Trey Brown coming back, the Seahawks might decide, all right, we love you, but we're moving on. And obviously what they do at the quarterback position, we'll be touching on that more later in the show. That is going to have a big bearing on the way the rest of this free agency process is going to play out. But a number of big names are still out there for the Seahawks to try to re-sign if they want to. Money's going to talk, obviously, with the money they've spent today. Uh, quite a bit of that cap space they had going into free agency has already been vouched for. So their options are going to be more limited as they move down the line here and try to figure things out. But there's going to be a lot more activity here in the next few days for us to break down as free agency unfolds to kick off the new league year. We're going to get back to the draft here in a moment. Mock Draft Monday, going to look at a number of mock drafts out there from CBS Sports, Sports Illustrated, and the Pro Football Network. Obviously, it's the first set of mock drafts that have come out since the Russell Wilson trade, so significantly different picks for the Seahawks now going into this process. We're going to be diving into those here in a moment. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on my New Year's resolutions. Trust me, March, it gets really difficult, but I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar, and it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. And if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, you're absolutely missing out. One of the best Built Bars out there. They're like a protein-infused marshmallow, fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're a fan favorite with a number of incredible flavors. My personal favorite, banana cream pie. You've got coconut marshmallow as well. Like all other Built Bars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, low calories, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are way better. A typical candy bar can go from anywhere to two to 300 calories. You don't have to worry about that with Built Bars. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they just keep pulling it off time after time. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We've officially kicked off the new league year with the legal tampering period. Plenty of free agency news out there. But we're going to shift our focus to what's happening next month in April. The draft, still a lot of buzz out there, especially for the Seahawks. Now that they have the number nine pick, and they also have an additional second round pick coming from the Russell Wilson trade last week a lot more draft capital for them to work with. And so that creates a number of intriguing mock drafts that are floating around on the internet right now. Obviously, Rob, you and I both kicked out new mock drafts last week as well. You want to check those out, you can go to Sports Illustrated Seahawk Maven website to check out my latest mock draft. And you can visit Fox Sports to check out Rob's latest Seahawks mock draft as well. We're going to look at a few others, though, for this segment and change things up. Normally, we just look through the mock draft and we talk about the players, but we're going to have a little bit of discussion and debate here 
We're going to try to decide which of these three mock drafts would be the best for the Seahawks if it actually happens. So I'm really looking forward to this. Let's start off looking at our three mock drafts. The first one is coming courtesy of CBS Sports, and this is the pick a quarterback early route. Number nine overall, the Seahawks going with Malik Willis out of Liberty. And then with their two second-round picks, tackle Tyler Smith out of Tulsa and Kyler Gordon, the corner out of Washington, staying in the Pacific Northwest for that second second rounder. And then in the third round, picking Cole Strange, the guard slash center out of Chattanooga. Small school player who has met with the Seahawks. They do have some interest in him, potentially in the middle of their offensive line. Then for Sports Illustrated, George Karloftis out of Purdue at number nine. So getting a powerful defensive end with some pass rushing upside can stuff the run early in the draft. And then the second round, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati and Kair Elam out of Florida. We've mocked him in a few of our previous drafts, a corner, a lot of ball skills, big body guy that would be a good fit for the Seahawks. And last but not least here from Pro Football Network, going with a corner in the first round. This would be unheard of territory for John Schneider and Pete Carroll, but the player is really good. Ahmad Gardner, also called Sauce Gardner, uh, shut down corner out of Cincinnati at number nine overall. And then in the second round, linebacker Nicobe Dean and receiver Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. So uh, two years in a row with a Western Michigan receiver in the second round. And then a the third round, Logan Hall, the versatile defensive lineman out of Houston. Rob, looking at these three mock drafts, which one do you think stands out as the best? What would you like to see if you could pick one of these and say that's what's going to happen in April? Which class would you select and why? Well, that's a difficult uh, question. I, I think that just in terms of the, the sheer talent, then I, I'm intrigued by the pro football networks with, with Sauce Gardner, Nicobe Dean, Scott Moore, Logan Hall. I just don't think it's very realistic. Um, I think for one, Logan Hall, I'd be surprised if he is available at number 72 overall. Yeah. Uh, you know, midway through the third round. Number two, as you just um, alluded to, the fact that, that Seattle during the John Schneider, Pete Carroll era, they've never used a you know an early pick on a cornerback um you know and so to see a mod Gardner number nine overall while i think he's absolutely a spectacular talent fits in beautifully in this defense and frankly is worthy of number nine consideration in my opinion i just don't think the seahawks would select him that high i think again they would go with the edge rusher or a quarterback but i, yeah. I have some other things that i would kind of uh beg to differ with uh, on the other um, selection selectors as well, CBS Sports again and, and Sports Illustrated. Um, so I, I think that all three of them um, check a lot of the boxes that the Seahawks are looking for. I don't think that any of them are 100% perfect, and that's that's one of the things that I, I kind of love looking through these mock drafts and just kind of seeing what the national perspective is on what Seattle might be willing to do here. Yeah, but you can't wiggle out of this, Rob. You've got to pick one. You can't say all three have merit. You've got to pick one. So I will come back to you, give you a second. To me, this one actually fairly simple. I My mock draft, hint, hint, check it out when you get off the show here. But I picked Malik Willis for the Seahawks at pick number 11. I actually traded down two spots to add an additional second-round pick in that mock draft. And so maybe the Seahawks will do something like that. If they trade down a few spots and they still have a quarterback they really like, they'll pick that player. I just think Malik Willis at pick number nine is a bit rich to me because the film that I've been able to watch, I see the physical tools. I mean, the guy looks like he could be an absolute stud in the NFL. He's got a big arm, can loft the ball 70 plus yards downfield, no problem, effortlessly. He's a phenomenal athlete. You can see the ability to improvise and create 
but I don't see a polished passer. And I see a guy that, yes, he didn't have a supporting cast around him against some of the bigger schools they played. It, you know, he was under duress. He was getting hit all the time. Really difficult to evaluate him. But he just didn't dominate against the similar competition in terms of talent that you would expect him to. And so for that reason, I have my reservations picking him that early. And the rest of that mock draft, Tyler Smith, to me, I'm not sure about his fit in a zone-heavy scheme. And he's a underclassman coming into the draft that, to me, is unpolished. Could be a very good player, but I just think that the CBS one would probably be third on my list because I wouldn't want to go quarterback right at number nine there, and I have some reservations about Tyler Smith. I do think Cole Strange in the third round would make a lot of sense. I like the film that I've seen on him and what he did at the Senior Bowl, uh, but I'm going to go with that being the third one on my totem pole here. And then I'm going to go with the Ahmad Gardner one as my number two just because, as you mentioned, I, I'm – I'm skeptical that they would pick a corner that early, but if they were going to, this would be the guy to do it on. I think he'd be a great fit for the Seahawks. I think he's got a chance to be an all-pro caliber player in the NFL. you got to pick the best player available, and I think he could be up for debate there to be the best player available. But look at the rest of the picks in that class. Sky Moore has great speed. I just don't know that I'm picking a Western Michigan receiver two years in a row. Um, and I wouldn't be picking a receiver that early unless I was able to trade back and invest, get some other picks in the middle rounds. And then maybe I would consider a guy like Sky Moore. N'Kobe Dean would be a great fit replacing Bobby Wagner. So I really like that pick. And I think the third round pick, Logan Hall, I'm with you. If I can get him at pick 72, that's a steal, but he's not going to be there at pick 72. So I actually, my favorite is the one from Sports Illustrated, not because I work for the company, but because I think it is the best mock draft. And we don't have a third round pick from that one. It was only a two rounder, but I think George Karloftis would be a great fit for this front seven. I really like the physicality he plays with. He is not a speed rusher and sometimes he falls into issues where he thinks he is, but he can dominate with power and as a bull rusher, I like him as a run defender. I think he's got some systematic versatility with four, three and three, four, and that would be valuable. And then you look at the other two picks, Desmond Ritter in the second round, that's where I would like to pick a quarterback. And I think Ritter's got plenty of upside and he was a winning quarterback at Cincinnati. Great leader. He's got the athleticism, not the biggest arm, but he's an accurate quarterback can throw with some anticipation. So I would like him with that pick and Kair Elam. We've talked about him. If they're going to pick a corner, they have never picked one in the second round, but I could see Elam being a guy at pick 41 with two second rounders that John Schneider says, okay, we will pick a corner this early in the draft rather than Ahmad Gardner. And I think he's a great scheme fit too. So to me, that one stands head and shoulders above the other ones. I think it checks off all the boxes with players that fit that are good values for their draft slot. Yeah, I think you're just higher on Karlaftis than, than I am. I think he's a good football player. I don't think he's a top 10 athlete. And I just think knowing the way that the Seattle has has drafted in the past, Corbin, how, they, how they've prioritized the elite athleticism, yep. um, I would just be stunned to see Seattle um, use that selection on Karlaftis. I mean, good football player. As you mentioned, he has – physicality. Um, he is an instinctive guy. He's been awfully, awfully. But maybe this is the year, Rob, that they pick good football players instead of just focusing on athleticism. And maybe I'm wrong, but you just went seven and 10 and they do like guys that have positional versatility up and down the line. Karloftis can offer that for you. He, he can. And I think that he would be a really interesting complement to the speed and athletic ability that is Daryl Taylor. Um, and so to me, that, that is an interesting one-two punch. I just think if there's edge rushers in this class, Jermaine Johnson uh, from Florida State, a guy who I projected to take for Seattle take at number nine overall, to me, I think that he is significantly more of a fit 
for the Seahawks in a lot of different ways. Travon Walker, same thing from Georgia. Certainly if either Aiden Hutchinson or, uh, or, or Kayvon Thibodeau were to fall into your lap, um, which I, I do not anticipate happening, but could. Uh, crazier things have happened. And then finally, uh, I would mention even David Ajabo uh, from Michigan, another guy who I think has just so much upside to him, to me, that, that screams Seahawks more than a guy like Karlaftis. Now, that said, if you do kind of roll with the Karlaftis idea at number nine overall with the SI mock, Desmond Ritter, that's the quarterback I had uh, projected to go to Seattle. I, he has some strengths and weaknesses. It, you're, you're not getting Russell Wilson 2.0. Um, if that's what people are expecting out of a second-round pick. But at the same time, there are a lot of the traits that, uh, that Seattle has always preferred at quarterback. You're talking about a dual-threat guy. You're talking about a winner. You're talking about a highly durable player with all kinds of the intangibles that you're looking for. Um, there's a lot of things about Desmond Ritter that I liked. Kyrie Elam, as you mentioned, uh, we, we both kind of acknowledged uh, his traits um, as well and how well he fits. The one of the things that concerns me is I just don't see the reliability um, in, in terms of being a run defender. I mean, there are yep. just too many missed tackles out there. And that's been priority number one, it seems like, at times for Seattle as far as their cornerbacks. And so that's why I think that that selection might be a little bit of a surprise. The one I have the biggest issue with is actually the CBS Sports one. And it's not the names. It's the, the backgrounds with Malik Willis, Tyler Smith, and Cole Strange in particular that the Seahawks have historically focused in on these big schools. So you're telling me that three of their top four picks after yeah. they trade away Russell Wilson and, and let Bobby Wagner go, the guys that they need immediate impact, they're going with Liberty, Tulsa, and University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. I just, I just can't imagine that scenario. But again, <laughs> but again, you can argue they have let some really good small school guys go. They could have picked that it ended up backfiring. So maybe some, you know, some self learning here. Who knows? I, I agree with you. That's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, that, so that, that's the thing is that, uh, you know, Pete Carroll talked about the, the fact that maybe the Seahawks have been a little bit arrogant. Uh, with how they have been aligning their defense. Well, maybe this is when John Schneider and, and his scouting staff start to believe that maybe they've been a little bit arrogant with how they have basically cut down the number of players that they've been willing to evaluate. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that this is the chance that you finally do have a number of draft picks that you can take full advantage of, advantage of this year's draft class. You have one in the top 10 in a class that is just ripe with talent at edge rusher and cornerback, two of your biggest areas of concern. So to me, that's, I think that this, I would be stunned if Seattle does uh, kind of self scout and change the way that they do things. Again, I think that they're going to go with the pass rusher at number nine or the quarterback. Well, speaking of quarterback, you know, we just mentioned Malik Willis as a possibility Desmond Ritter in round two. There's still the possibility the Seahawks could go the veteran route, though the big name they were going after doesn't look like he is going to be coming to Seattle. We're going to update the latest on veteran quarterback possibilities, where Seattle might be able to turn here as free agency continues and they head towards the draft. We're going to investigate that here in a moment. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering informational needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today 
or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. It's time to shift back to free agency. And we talked a little bit about quarterback last quarter. If they're going to go in the draft, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, maybe Sam Howell. We've talked about a number of these guys that are entering the league in this draft class. Not viewed as a great quarterback class by any means, but all options are on the table for the Seahawks. They had been linked to Deshaun Watson. That's been the big name that has been floated around. And the Seahawks clearly had interest. They've inquired. Now there are multiple reports out there, though, that Deshaun Watson has rejected the Seahawks. He's got a no-trade clause, so I'm not even going to meet with you. So that idea looks to be like it is off the table at this point, that Deshaun Watson won't be coming to Seattle. He's visiting with Carolina and New Orleans reportedly today. It looks like that's the preferred region that he wants to be in. He wants to be in the South where he's always been. I don't know that the Pacific Northwest stood out to him as a option. And so based on reports, Watson is out. You also aren't going to be getting Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins. Ryan had his contract restructured and Kirk Cousins got extended. So those are two veteran options that have been thrown out there that now are not on the table either. Mitch Trubisky gets signed by the Steelers today. He'd been a name that had been floated around Teddy Bridgewater signing today with the Dolphins as the backups. Rob, there's not a lot of options out there on the market if the Seahawks are wanting to bring in another veteran quarterback. No, there really isn't. Um, that, that's why I, I think that uh, until the Deshaun Watson story is completely dead and he actually is traded somewhere else, then I I still think that there's a possibility that just knowing how personable the John Schneider and Pete Carroll are, if they get allowed into that room, then I think recruiter Pete can, can show up pretty quickly and it would be fascinating to see. But I do think that you hit the nail right on the head, though. Um, I think that uh, Deshaun Watson wants to stay uh, in the South, of course, that, you know, played his, his college ball, won a national championship with the Clemson Tigers, which are in the, the state of South Carolina. I think that the Carolina Panthers, former Seahawk executive uh, Scott Fitter, might be able to, to pull that off. The New Orleans Saints obviously were an intriguing team uh, to be co- to be going for, but now with um, the fact that you, you don't have the head coach there, you have some questions about who's going to be playing the running back there. Um, New Orleans Saints may not be quite as interesting, uh, but still, I, I do think that uh, that that is something that, that Seattle is going to explore until the very last second, because as you just mentioned, there's just not the veteran quarterback uh, candidates out there. Um, look, I mean, look at some of the free agents that are still out there. You got guys like Marcus Mariota. You got uh, Colin Kaepernick. Possibly is a uh, you know if you really want to go kind of um, you know outside of the the normal thinking. I mean, Kaepernick hasn't played for for five six years now, um, and I would argue that he wasn't as talented a quarterback in the first place. A hu- great human being. Um, I just have I can argue with you a little bit more about quarterbacks as we go with Kaepernick should we want to. But, again, some of the free agents, um, Mariota, Jameis Winston, Winston. Gardner Minshew, uh, Tyler Huntley possibly in in a trade with the Baltimore Ravens as a backup. I mean, a restricted free agent kind of a guy. I mean, there there are some candidates, but they're just not very exciting ones, and that's all the more reason why if Seattle basically painted itself into a corner, had to make the trade of the Denver Broncos because that's what Russell Wilson required, then it was critical that, that Seattle got Drew Locke back because at least he's a quarterback who has the physical traits that you're looking for in the NFL. 
and has actual starting NFL experience. Now, do I think that he necessarily is going to lead Seattle to great success? No, I think that you need to find somebody to compete with Drew Locke, but at least you do have a young quarterback who has some experience already on your roster. Everything else you're getting up at this point, I think is just added competition. Hopefully you find some kind of superstar. I think Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston would both be immediately far superior options to Drew Locke. At least you know that those guys have led teams to the playoffs in the NFL. Or Jameis Winston was on the verge of doing it last year in, in last year in New Orleans. The issue you've got there is he's coming off of a torn ACL, and there's obviously been some character issues. Mariota's been the backup for Derek Carr with the Raiders for the last couple seasons. So he's got fairly fresh legs can still run at 28 years of age, still an explosive athlete. There's been questions about his passing ability, though. That's why things didn't work out with the Titans. But I would think that those two would probably be the best options that are out there if you're wanting to go that veteran route and bring somebody else in to compete. Now, they're going to trade. I'm not just saying this because I saw a guy wearing a Gardner Minshew Seahawks jersey in Vegas yesterday, but we know the Washington State connection there with him being a former star for the Cougars. Like, Fans in Seattle would go nuts if Gardner Minshew was the guy. And I don't know what the Eagles would require to make that trade because he started a few games from last year behind Jalen Hurts when Hurts was banged up. They value him. They think he's a really good backup quarterback. But he was good for the Jaguars a couple years ago. I think he can start for a team that's got the pieces around him, and he would be a much more affordable option, at least for this year. And if he proves that he can be a starter, you know, you're not going to have to pay him the kind of money you were paying Russell Wilson. You can pay other position groups to build the talent around him. So he's intriguing. I don't think he's a long-term star in this league. I don't think that Huntley from the Ravens is either. I know fans were intrigued by what they saw the four games he started for Lamar Jackson last year. I see him as a high upside backup that can be a spot starter. I just don't see enough throwing talent from him to be a starter long-term in the NFL. And you mentioned Colin Kaepernick, and I know some of our listeners are going to roll their eyes because he has been out of the league for five years. And even, even me, I have, I've been an ardent supporter of Colin Kaepernick with the things that he did. And I didn't agree with everything that he did as far as his tactics for protesting, but I agreed with what he was trying to accomplish and the message that he was trying to send. And I do think that his heart's in the right place. So I've always been a supporter and I've liked his talent more than you have. I, I thought that he was put in a raw or put in a tough spot with the 49ers of the roster that just immediately declined after Jim Harbaugh left, they lost tons of talent. They didn't restock the cabinet. And so he was put in a really difficult spot to succeed. And yet he still had 16 touchdowns and just four picks his last season with the 49ers playing on a really bad football team. So I've always been a supporter, but five years, that's a really long time to not play football at the same time. He was throwing passes today to Tyler Lockett, and there's a video floating around about that. I don't know how often Tyler Lockett flew to do workouts with Russell Wilson, but he certainly did that with Colin Kaepernick, and it appears like he at least has some interest in helping him get back in the league. And ironically, Seattle's got a great opportunity to at least give him a chance to try out, and I wrote an article about it yesterday. I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is your starter next season. I'm not saying that, but he could be. I mean, if he comes in and he tries out and he looks good, he's fresh, obviously. He looks like he's in great shape. Have him compete against Drew Locke. He's a much more established starter than what Drew Locke is. I mean, he's led a team to a Super Bowl and got a couple quarters away from doing it again. And the Seahawks were the team that stopped him. So I know that's been a decade ago, but still, what do you have to lose? You're going to give him a minimal contract. And if he ends up being good still, 
then you guys have a pretty competitive team in the NFC West, at least in my opinion. So I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm hitting my fist to the table saying, hey, give this guy a chance to try out at least, to give a workout and see if he still has it. And Tyler Lockett, he'll be able to vouch for him. If he was impressed in that workout, Lockett might go to the Steelhawk and say, hey, Colin Kaepernick still has it. So I know that it seems like a crazy idea, but I don't think fans should dismiss it at least. I think that there is some merit looking into it because there just aren't a lot of options out there. Yeah, I don't think it's a crazy idea at all. And as we just talked about, I am not a huge Colin Kaepernick fan in terms of just his ability as a as a as a passer. Um, you know, I love the the athletic ability he always demonstrated. I, again, I love his intangibles, who he was even before the, the kneeling down and you know just what who he was at University of Nevada. The fact that I sat with his uh, that his adoptive parents um, in the Senior Bowl. Um, in Mobile, Alabama, and was able to have some conversations with them and just really learn what made him tick. Um, Kind of was a a fan of his from afar uh, when he got drafted by San Francisco and all the success they had, including against the Seahawks. I just never saw a quarterback that could throw anything other than a fastball. Um, And and that's the thing is I want to see him be able to throw the ball with a little bit more arc to be successful, especially when you were playing – in a, a, a for an offense that likes to run the ball as much as the Seahawks do, as much as the San Francisco 49ers do, you have to be able to complement the running game by being able to throw over the top. And that was something that Kaepernick never demonstrated consistent ability to do in Nevada or in San Francisco or at the Senior Bowl. And so to me, he's the same player that he was before. But that same player he was before, to take Pete Carroll's old words, is a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, and Seattle does not currently have one. So no. I, I think that they are kicking the tires on him. I think the fact that Tyler Lockett went down there, they essentially are sending a top scout to evaluate Colin Kaepernick yeah. uh, can do. Who better and to scout him than one of the best receivers in football? If he likes the way he throws the ball, I mean, again, I think Tyler Lockett could be knocking on Pete Carroll's door or John exactly. Snyder's door and saying, hey, this is going to be a cheap alternative, and it's a guy that was – a borderline pro bowler for most of his time with the 49ers. I mean, you could make an argument, at least the years they were in the playoffs, that he was a top 10 quarterback with his running ability, and he's going to be fresh, and he hasn't get, been hit the last five years. So no, Exactly. So that's the thing, is if Seattle does go down this road with Colin Kaepernick, then you can rest assured that, that Tyler Lockett was, again, as you just mentioned, basically knocking on Pete Carroll's door, sending John Scheider a text and hey, this guy still can play. I don't know that they're going to do that, but the fact that Tyler Lockett is there, obviously is on his own accord. He's not there as an official capacity to Seahawks, but still, I don't know if there's anybody in the history of Seattle's football players that has as much say with as much uh, built up as much trust for Seattle's decision makers as Tyler Lockett has. So I, I do think that that's a very key player that is obviously on Colin Kaepernick's side as well. Now, if we see DK Metcalf catching passes from him next, then I think that we got to start putting two and two together. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that would be very fascinating if it reaches that point. And we know that he could throw the deep ball. He could throw the ball downfield. So the receivers they've got, again, I'm not advocating for him to be the starter next year, but I do think given him a shot, what do you have to lose when, you know, your best alternatives are a guy coming off a torn ACL like Jameis Winston 
or somebody like Marcus Mariota, who arguably was not as efficient of a passer as what Kaepernick was when he was playing with the 49ers. I just don't know that the options are out there right now. You could always draft a QB in the first or second round in April, too, and have that rookie compete against Kaepernick and Locke and Jacob Eason. You could have a four-way battle there that you would at least have some intrigue with Kaepernick and an incoming rookie and Drew Locke with his physical tools. So we'll see what happens. There's plenty of different options the Seahawks could look at, but one that doesn't look to be on the table at this point, barring a major swing in news, Deshaun Watson doesn't look like he's going to be coming to Seattle. They're going to have to move on and start looking at some of the other options that we mentioned that are out there either by trade or in free agency. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob Rang at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, five days a week on YouTube. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. When we return tomorrow, we're going to have plenty more news in the free agent front. I expect there's going to be more contract news for us to break down. And we're going to have a special guest. Didn't have the, the guest today. Had to make some changes to our schedule, but hoping to have him on board tomorrow to discuss the Seahawks' upcoming season and much more. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.